On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, we're talking about a song so nice, Prince used it as a B-side twice. We're discussing I Love You In Me, and joining me on this episode is Tara Betts. Welcome back to the show, Tara. Thanks for having me back. We're going to have a great time. (laughs) Yeah, we're in the B-side territory now. We've got this song from uh, the Batman era. It was released as a B-side on Party Man initially but eventually was released again as a B-side for Insatiable from the Diamonds and Pearls era a couple years later. But, you know, that is that is neither here nor there. We're here to talk about the song that really had no, like, it had no connection to the Batman film, Batman project, other than just it was recorded in 1989. Prince needed a B-side. I don't really know much more about the song's origin story behind that it was recorded i think in summer or fall of 89 prince fall isn't even all that clear on exact recording dates because i think it's just hasn't really been looked into it's not one of those (laughs) songs where people want to know more about necessarily um but but just taking a step back tara batman era 1989 what recollections do you have that you might want to share with with the listeners about your experience with this project or maybe even this song for the first time? When did you hear it? Oh, I think I really didn't hear this song and listen to it a lot until it was on the B-sides and the hits compilation that he did. Yep. I had 45s. I just didn't have because I believe when it came out in 89, it was on the arms of Orion B-side. Yes, you're right. I misspoke. I think I said Party Man, but you're right. It was the arms of Orion. This was the B-side to that, which was not a, a huge, successful right. single. Which I like that song, but I don't think it was the most popular. Like people, a lot of people were into Party Man. It, it was a summer kind of release for me in my mind, at least then. And it was... 1989, I would have been either just finishing freshman year or getting ready to go into freshman year in high school. So it was definitely like, you know, one of those things we're going to, you know, we're going to play this album a lot. And then Insatiable was really popular from that album for a lot of people. And then it kind of reminded me in some ways of kind of like this house song, you know, even though it wasn't really house, it's mm-hmm. it was so electronic music, you know, you can tell he kind of made it so it seamlessly went with the movie and the characters in some ways. <laughs> There's all this sampling in it, but it didn't sound like hip hop to me that way. So it's definitely in some ways something that just had a really interesting electronic sound that i didn't expect like insatiable is probably the closest to sounding like a prince song to me yeah and it's 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 interesting two things i was thinking of as you were talking about your experience with the song is so the arms of orion where the song was initially could be initially heard 
didn't have a 12 inch single for it. So Bat Dance had a 12 inch single. Party Man had a 12 inch single. Of course, uh, Scandals did with Scandals Sex Suite. But Arms of Orion didn't. And a lot of, I think, the people who were buying singles back then, still on vinyl, were looking for that 12 inch because the 12 inch had, you know, the special mixes, it had extended versions. Uh, sometimes it had additional tracks that weren't even on the seven inch. Uh, th- there wasn't much to the Arms of Orion single. You had you had the the album version of the A side, and then you had this new B side. So uh, for me in 1989, I wasn't buying singles anymore on vinyl, um, and especially in 1991 when Insatiable was released, I wasn't buying singles on vinyl. I think you could probably still buy these on cassette single. I don't know that for a fact. I haven't researched that to know if Arms of Orion or Insatiable were released as cassette <laughs> singles in 89 91, but I guess that would have been maybe a more realistic way of, of people buying and, and hearing the song prior to its inclusion on the hits and B-sides. But when I've been asking my other guests how they first heard these B-sides from the Batman era, that's the answer I most get is the hits and B-sides collection. I think mm-hmm. singles were just starting to Unless there was something really special about it. Like I was starting to buy, I was buying cassette singles in the 90s, but usually only if there was like a song that I'd never heard before on the B-side or some really kind of cool remixes or different versions of. And the Arms of Orion just wasn't a big hit. It just really wasn't. And so I would have to know if Insatiable was also released as a cassette single. I think it probably was a single because I know I had Sexy MF as a, a, a single. Yeah. I might still have it in the box, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, it makes sense that it would have been. I mean, there's no reason why they wouldn't have put it on in cassette format for the single in 1991. I mean, that was still a really big format was cassettes. CDs were in existence. Sure, but because um, that's I was still buying tapes in '91, so <laughs> I imagine a lot of other people were too. I know too. I'm, I meant Insatiable was on the Diamonds and Pearls album. I was thinking of Scandalous. Scandalous is on the Batman album itself. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, because those songs kind of sound similar to me. I was they do with it. <laughs> they do. You're, it's not just your ears, Tara. They they do have a lot of similarities. Um, and, and, you know, I think it makes sense from a stylistic standpoint, because this is a ballad, clearly a ballad. Um, so I think it, 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 similar to like Insatiable or, I mean, Arms of Ryan was a duet, but you flip it. If you like a ballad or Prince Ballad, you flip it over. You got, I love you and me. You're, you're getting what you paid for. You're getting two really, you know, you're getting two ballads for the price of one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you, you know, if you don't like one as much as the other, hopefully, you know, you flip it over and get what you want but yeah it, it makes sense insatiable also a ballad as well so i get why he did it he must have liked the song enough to put it as a b-side twice even though there was material he could have chosen in 1991 uh, more fresh material that he could have chosen but mm-hmm. i don't know maybe he thought that um its inclusion on the arms of orion didn't get enough exposure and he wanted to expose people to this song again because he liked it so much I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah. In some ways, too, I Love You and Me reminds me a little bit of Count the Days from the Girl 6 soundtrack. I don't know where it was before that, but I think it was just on the Girl 6 soundtrack. 
because it's almost acoustic. There's a little bit of guitar. He's taking his time. He's a little easy. It's almost like it could be country and Western a little bit, but not quite, right? It's got mm-hmm. a little bit of bluesy edge to it, too. And this one seems more like just straightforward talking about the subject and action at hand. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty It's pretty stripped down in terms of music. <coughs> it's a fairly stripped down song, I think. It doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles, so to speak. No, it's just not as many metaphors as positivity <laughs> when we last talked. <laughs> yes, yes. He, he, he bypasses the the metaphors and euphemisms in the song. And he's pretty much speaking straight from being very frank in his depictions of uh, sexual intercourse throughout the, throughout the song. That's for sure. What I was going to say about stripped down is that, um, I don't know if you were aware, but Andy Allo has a version of this song that she recorded for, I think like a, a live cover that she did in the early 2010s. I haven't heard it yet. I need to find it, but um, yeah. So I, I saw it on Prince Vault that she did a did a version of the song, and according to Prince Vault, she um, either she or Prince, I'm not sure who, made some adjustments, slight adjustments to the lyrics, and I'm kind of curious what those adjustments are. But we're here to talk about the 1989 version, so mm-hmm. that's what we're what we're here to talk about, and the version that we all got um, either on. The Arms of Orion single, the Insatiable single, or the Hits and the B-Sides. Wherever your introduction to this song, that's the version that we're going to talk about because it's identical across the three formats and three releases. All right, so yeah, as we both kind of alluded to, the song is very frank in its language. There's no metaphors. Prince is talking about, you know, an encounter that he has with a woman and... and um, you know, the songs like Sugar Walls that we talked about beforehand when we were just you know, warming up and a song like Sex Shooter that are just filled with just, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, euphemisms for genitalia and sexual intercourse. Here it's just, uh, like I said, a much more straightforward song, almost to the point where if you're listening to this in certain company, you, it might make you a little uncomfortable potentially depending on who you're listening to it with um so what what do you think about the song overall before we get started Tara? you know i don't think it's a bad song i just don't think it's his strongest lyrics and i it you know i kind of miss even though it is a little it's it's not explicit by one today's standards but two you know i kind of miss leaving something to the imagination so when i hear this now i'm like you know it kind of growed on me because <laughs> it's like yeah. I, I wish there was a little like just allude to it don't tell me everything that happened so i feel mm-hmm. like the song it does a little bit of both it's like i'm gonna show you a little skin then i'm gonna cover it up you know? <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good way of putting it because that's kind of what the lyrics do there's this there the first chorus and I'll I'll recite the lines here. She took off her dress and I took a peek while thunderstorm played hide and see. I begged for kids, 
She gave me seven she took off her dress and I took a peek while thunderstorm played hide and seek. I begged for a kiss. She gave me seven. Our lips touched and it felt like heaven. Okay, so that is the first verse. And you know what I'm getting right off right off the bat is that uh, he's kind of setting the stage for an intimate setting. Like we're we're thrust, no pun intended, like right into <laughs> right into the encounter. Like she's already taking her clothes off in the very first line. So we're jumping right into the action with this song. Um, the lead up and what happened before that is left to our imaginations. We're just left with this one moment where they're starting to undress and Prince is telling us what, what the environment is like with, you know, the thunderstorm, um, her taking off her clothes and then beginning to kiss. So, I mean, those are some of the overarching themes that I'm getting from this very first verse. What, what do you think is worth pointing out here, Tara? Well, I mean, he, he chose these really predictable rhymes, which is kind of the thing that's sticking with me. However, I do love the line where the thunderstorm is playing like it's a child. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of cool. And then to, I was really curious. I mean, Seven, of course, it's like, that touched me a little bit, too, because it's like Seven comes up in his work constantly, that particular number. So that didn't surprise me, but I was kind of surprised you know, he took the easy route and did heaven as the rhyme. But, <laughs> you know, it is. Yeah. It's a nice setup to leave. You know, stuff's about to go down just from these first four lines. Yep. She took off her dress. I took a peek. So you got to get the impression that, you know, she's obviously doing it in front of him. But also, I don't know if she's like doing it kind of off to the side or somewhere. Maybe she's in the bathroom. I don't know. Because for him to have to take a peek. If she was doing it right in front of him, there would be no need to take a peek. She would just be undressing in front of him. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just kind of like a coy way of saying, like, he's, uh, you know, kind of looking at her in a way where it's not as glaring. Like, he's not staring at her, trying to give her some privacy, but also wanting to to see a little something in the moment to get himself excited. Or, you know, he's just trying to. You know how people will play sometimes. They'll just be like, I'm going to kind of pretend not to look and look. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm getting from this because obviously yeah. she's undressing for him. She's not, mm-hmm. he's not being a creeper trying to, <laughs> trying to watch her undress when she's unexpected, when it's unexpected. She's obviously undressing right. for, for him. The, right. the thunderstorm line. I like that as well. That's kind of a poetic line. And it, for me, it calls back to uh, a little bit of a raspberry beret. Yeah. Yeah, with the the, the line. Um, to yeah, the rain sounds so cool on the barn roof, and the horses wonder who you are. Thunder drowns out with the lightning seas. So I, I think he likes the idea of having sex in the rain, <laughs> or having sex with rain or thunderstorms around him, surrounding him and his partner. Oh, um, it's just kind of a interesting metaphor too. <laughs> Uh, things getting wetter <laughs> well you know i was thinking about that because i remember 
growing up, I would hear people say, you know, if it's raining and it's a little cold and it's it's like good snuggle weather, you know, that's what some people would say. But some people yeah. would be like, that's baby making season, baby making weather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people who live in the deep south don't understand that. But yeah, us Midwesterners, we, we get it. It gets cold in the winter. And what do you do? You gravitate towards your your partner and to keep each other warm and it's just natural (laughs) so i get it i get it how many september babies come out of (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know it um so anyway yeah that was interesting and you already pointed out the seven again very expected if he's gonna pick a number that's likely gonna be it nine times out of ten he's gonna pick seven or some variation of Seven, seventeen, twenty-seven. 17 27 uh so again very simple rhymes peak and seek seven in heaven you already kind of called that out as being simple rhyme pattern but it again it sets the it sets the stage for what the song's about and the song is about a sexual encounter between two people or an intimate moment between two people um anything else worth talking about we hear this first verse tara you know it, it's got me thinking, oddly enough, of Darling Nikki and how that was just super graphic. And this is like, almost like he has a veil up so you can see the silhouette of what's happening, but you don't get to see all the fine details. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's what's happening in the song. So I just, when I look at that first one, I think I was kind of craving that kind of detail you see in a Raspberry Beret or even a Darling Nikki because you know what her dress looks like. You know how she, like you get a picture and I wanted more of a visual picture of this person, but you don't quite get it. You just get a little bit of the, the action and not all of it, a little bit of the scene. He says something and then, you know, he describes a feeling. So mm. very like boop boop in and out. Yeah, agreed. It's it's it is a simple core or a simple verse in terms of its imagery and and what it's conveying. I, I would definitely agree with that. There's not a lot of dissection so much, and we kind of already talked a little bit about that. This song is very straightforward. Everything I want is what she does to me. Don't blush cause she's so damn free When she making love it's like surgery And she say ooh I love you in me Moving on to the chorus The chorus is going to be repeated several times throughout the song and It doesn't really change Everything I want is what she does to me she don't blush because she's so damn free. When she making love, it's like surgery. And she say, ooh, I love you in me. That's the chorus. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's one particular line that it really sticks out to me. I'll, I'll let you go first, Tara. What, what do you find interesting about the chorus? Well, I... The making love like surgery line always makes me go, why? Why Prince Rogers Nelson? Why? Why did we do this? Because it's 
I feel like because surgery is like cutting something open and it's it's not tender and it's precise, right? Like But it's, it's also sterile too. Like it's it has sterile to be a sterile too. environment. So to me it just doesn't work. It was like the yeah. one thing that I'm like, mm, mm, I don't like it. But I love the line before it. She don't yeah. bless because she's so damn free. Cause it's like when you think about how often women I mean, look at where we are in the current culture now. It's like women are still being shamed to be sexual beings. And mm-hmm. here he's in that moment where he doesn't see that. Yeah. In a very clear and, and simple way. And I do like that he says everything I want is what she does to me. So we have a hint that she does stuff to him. We don't know what it is. You know, and I kind of like that, too. But it's those last two couplets that round it out. I'm just like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the the use of the word surgery in a in a love song, a sexual love song. Is odd. It's odd imagery. And it leaves us a <laughs> leaves us a little cold and maybe questioning what is the intent of saying like like it's surgery, like using that analogy I, I don't know because i i tried thinking like you like what what imagery do i get when i hear surgery and we already mentioned precise um sterile um you know you have to be very careful in surgery to somebody so i don't know if it just means this person this woman is an expert like to be a surgeon you have to <laughs> and i might be stretching here to be a surgeon you have to um undergo a lot of training and uh you have to go to school for a long time and so surgeons are experts in their field they they are not just your um general practitioners they're they have the specialty that they are good at and this is what they get paid to do is perform surgery so i don't know if he's trying to say when she's making love it's like surgery meaning like it's she's so she's such an expert at making love to him and and kind of alluding to everything is Everything I want is what she does to me. These things that she does to him are so expertly done. Like she's a surgeon. Again, that that may be a stretch. That very well may be a stretch. But that's really the only thing I could think of and why he would choose to use this word. Yeah. You know, I could even see that because it seems like more often than not, he has these songs like the ones we brought up earlier, Raspberry Beret and Darling Nikki. It's like these women who are very sexually experienced. And mm-hmm. he's talking about being with them. And it's kind of funny sometimes because I go, yeah, everybody thinks Prince is wild. But it's like, what about the women he has actually been with in relationships? Yeah, he sings about some pretty, pretty uh, free you know, free-spirited women, sexually liberated women, for sure. Right. And I kind of think, you know, that's something we're never going to have an answer to. But just like the way he publicly represented women is always very interesting to me. Like, you know, not just like somebody who's just sitting there. It's like, what does she do? You know? And you see that even in this song, it's like, what does she do? Exactly. And in the second verse is 
is really where we get the impression that this woman is not only a free spirit and bold, but she's also, again, a very good at what she does. <laughs> so, uh, are you ready to move on to the next verse? You have yeah. anything else you want to yeah. talk about? Okay. I promised myself not to come until she does. And she took both hands and a liar I was. No man in this world could ever hope to last. With my baby down, shifts and stars pumping fast. So the second verse of the song is, I promised myself not to come until she does. And she took both hands and a liar I was. No man in this world could ever hope to last when my baby downshifts and starts pumping fast. So now we kind of get the impression, or we, we're getting... The picture is being painted more graphically, <laughs> more details, but still, it's still kind of leaving it up to the imagination because he does use a metaphor here, like yeah. the whole downshift metaphor, and you know, using it from like a car metaphor again, something he's done before in Little Red Corvette, and okay. you can even say in, in Delirious from the same album, he uses some car metaphors there, uh, race cars burning rubber in my pants from the Love Sexy album, and so. Not a not a new uh, metaphor that he's uh, that he's never done before. It's certainly well tread. Also, no pun intended. Um, topics, but this whole verse seems to be dedicated to him, like offering up excuses as to why he wasn't able to last very long. I I like the downshifts metaphor. Because there's that moment where people usually will kind of like stop for a second, slow down, and then, ah! <laughs> so, <laughs> it mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of that. But I'm also thinking, it's it's like, there's something about that phrasing, a liar I was, that I think is really interesting. You know? Mm-hmm. it's um, Maybe because it's not something I would expect, even in a really simple phrasing. You know, yeah. it's it's a little bit graceful. Yeah, it's definitely not expected way of saying the same thing. Like, you know, typically we when we say that we were a liar, we're just like, yeah, and I was a liar, not a liar. I was. I mean, we don't typically reverse that um, those words to mm-hmm. in the sentence like that. So that was unexpected. Uh, helps with the rhyme, you know, the rhyme scheme. Promised myself not to come until she does, and then he had to use was as the the rhyme there and last and fast so again this i don't know if it's really so much this versus him explaining why he didn't like offering up excuses why he was an unable to last long in bed or if it's more of his uh lifting up his partner and, and expressing how uh how good she is and how wonderful she is in bed that and how turned on that he is with her that he wasn't able to uh, last very long. So maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe he's trying to just really emphasize how attractive and how sexual she is. Not sure. Can look at it either way. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, because you almost never hear about a moment like this when a man makes a song. Right. right? That is unexpected. You're absolutely like right. He- expect men to brag on their virility and their own abilities and here 
you know, I, I can't yeah. think of a better way to say it. He falls short. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, hopefully that, he has an. Hopefully he's able to recover quickly up for her for her sake. <laughs> either recover quickly or at least compensate somehow. But exactly. Um, because we don't know what they're doing. Like getting still, we do, but we don't, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's that, and I I think that's kind of cool. Like you know, we've definitely heard women talk about men having this problem, but we've never heard a man admit to it in a song. I don't think. Not. So I mean, not often. Not often. I would say. I mean, can you think of another song where a guy said, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not off the top of my head. I'd like to. I'd like to think that another man somewhere out there has been self-deprecating enough to, and and, and probably in more of a joking manner. Like probably. this is a serious song. This isn't a. This isn't a funny it song is. necessarily. Joking. So he's not like laughing along, or laughing at himself. I mean, he's like I said, a little bit trying to offer excuses. I think as to why he did this, but just the fact that he wrote it. Like he didn't have to write this verse like this at all. He could have come up with a completely different verse about right. how he wore her out, you know. And uh, he didn't do that, which is which is you know kind of cool. Got to hand it to him. You know, giving guys room to to be vulnerable. Go Prince. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And the the last two lines of this verse: when my baby downshifts and starts pumping fast. That I I do appreciate that he uses enough descriptive language so we can come to our own conclusion about what's happening in that moment. Right. Uh, we don't need to get graphic, <laughs> but but we can certainly anybody who's ever you know had sex in their life can imagine maybe or have seen sex can imagine maybe what's happening here. But that doesn't mean it's right. It's just our own imagination, like jumping to conclusions about what's what's happening in this moment that yeah. that caused him to to orgasm before she did. Um, and and th- it's not it's not clear. It's not obvious, but it's also not so cloaked that we can't come up with our own imagery for that line. Right. And I mean, I guess because it's Prince singing it. I'm thinking about it in a very cishet kind of way and he's singing to a woman. That's why I'm thinking of, but even still there's lots of things people do behind closed doors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, we don't, we have really no idea what's happening here. Yeah. Other than we can guess, like, but yeah, they're doing something that's sexual, but you don't know exactly what it is. And I think that's, kind of the gift in the song like maybe that's why he wanted to just be it's like i'll be sexual but i won't tell you how <laughs> mm-hmm. you know right. yeah because this song does have a lot of sexual imagery but it's it's not it's not raunchy i don't think yeah um all right so that's the second verse and that's we kind of mentioned that's an interesting one from the standpoint of how he phrases it and, and what's happening. But then he goes into the course again and the course is the same. I love you. I love you. You know. 
and then we get a little bit of a bridge where he says, I love you, I love you and me. No new lyrics there to really kind of dissect or, or um, talk about. But then the third and uh, really kind of last verse there is to the song is, Our bodies sink in a pool of sweat. It's the kind of love that you never forget. With you, honey, I'm the richest in the world. I don't need money because you're my girl. Our bodies sink in a pool of sweat. It's the kind of love that you never forget. With you, honey, I'm the richest in the world. I don't need money because you're my girl. There's some echoing there with So Rich and My Girl and stuff like that, but they never forget. But um, yeah, that's essentially the, the lyrics. So, I mean, it feels like now we're, it's the, it's the post-orgasm or post-sex afterglow moment where they're kind of holding each other. They're covered in sweat. Um, and he's, and he's kind of thinking to himself how thankful he is maybe for, for, for you know, finding her and for um, you know, her her abil- her abilities in bed and maybe just how he just feels about her in general, not just sexually, but what he feels about her in general. And this is just his way of expressing that uh, in a in a kind of a post orgasmic uh, moment. Yeah. Uh, what what do you think about this third verse, Tara? I mean, I kept thinking if your body sink in a pool of sweat, that's a lot of sweat. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of gross, but you know. Just from a literal <laughs> reading, I'm like, damn, that's a lot of sweat. <laughs> that was a very active session of whatever you're doing. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's just sheet changing. That's a sheet changing session for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I, you know. I almost felt like he could have came with a stronger verse, but part of me feels like, yeah, he's tying it together. He's doing that resolution. And I kind of, you know, you know, he's winding down the song too. So I wonder if he just said, okay, we'll just do this, you know, because it's pretty much resolved. But I just feel like you could have still had that resolution. Like I, if it was me, and this is just bad to say this, I probably would have wrote it differently. It's a little boring. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, if we're just being honest, this verse is a little boring. With the, with the exception of that first line, "Our bodies sink in a pool of sweat," which isn't. It's kind of gross, but it's not boring. Uh, you you get the impression that they've been at it for a while. So I I, yeah. I think that after he was able to come quickly, they continued on in some form or fashion <laughs> because if he was if he came quickly they shouldn't have had that much sweat so i think that some stuff happened between verse two and verse three maybe. regardless <laughs> uh the whole like him saying yeah maybe we don't know again with you honey i'm the richest in the world okay that's a metaphor that's well well trodden you know people yeah. being rich but not in money i don't need money i'm rich because i have you baby you know we have our love i mean it's We've yeah. all heard that before. It's nothing Those new. Lines are all really cliche to me. Whereas he could have, I think he was capable of a better turn. That's the thing that gets me with this song, where he could have shown that tenderness and not veered off into the world girl thing. 
where it's just yeah. in, a, in a really expected rhyme. Yeah, and the whole money part of it, too. Yeah. Don't need money because I've got you. Yeah, basically that's what he's saying. I don't need money because you're my girl. Okay. Like, he has everything. He feels like he has everything he wants just right there in the moment with her where, you know, that, and that's fine to feel it that way in that moment after you've just had a really uh, sweat-drenched uh, sexual encounter. But, you know, the real world will creep in eventually at some point, and then he's like, damn, I'm broke. <laughs> I wish I had money, too. <laughs> and there in, in this moment, he feels okay without the money. So well, that's fine. Yeah. Well, you know. Very satisfied. He's very satiated in the moment, and that's... Uh, Essentially what I get. He's happy and, and satisfied. Great stress reliever has struck me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know, you never know. Like maybe he had been stressing about some financial woes or some bills or something he had to pay or something. And now he's that's all gone past him now because he's in this moment with her and he realizes he, he has her and that's more important. So it's a nice sentiment, but it's also, you know, like you said, yeah. the lines are pretty cliche. Can't yeah. argue with that. And then he closes with that chorus again. And I just. Mm, like, I feel like if he had just came up with a different line, when we make in love, it's like surgery. Like if he dropped that. It, it could have been a different rhyme. They did something else. And it probably mm-hmm. would have made me feel a little less, mm, you know, but it still sounds good. Like, you can't deny that it sounds good. It's very easy. It's got a nice flow to it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with the song, per se. It's, it's, it's being picky. Yeah, we're, we're, because, because Prince has made so many songs that we both agree are better, right? So right. Uh, he, we know that he's capable of more. We've heard that songs that were more well written from a lyrical standpoint so we're just holding him to a higher standard which you know but it's his own fault for being for being so good at songwriting <laughs> you know. um i know it it is what it is it's a b-side it's it's not one of those b-sides that ends up being uh cited as a classic b-side like she's always in my hair in erotic city no right. it's 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 not at that level but it wasn't ignored. Like he, he, again, he put it on a B side twice, and then he also agreed to have it on the hits and the B sides, which is more than you can say for the B sides from the Parade album. None of those made the hits and B sides. Don't know if that was tied into uh, or because he couldn't because of some Warner Brothers thing. But Purple Rain B sides were on it. Batman B sides were on it. So I don't really know that that's the excuse either. Yeah. So he either liked it more than most people or um i don't know i have maybe you saw something else in it and he also asked i have to assume he asked andy to perform it andy allo to perform it maybe it was her idea not sure yeah i know it looks like i i went and googled it online while we were talking just because i was curious when you brought up the andy allo cover allo cover and there's a couple places where they do it together apparently yeah like a duet yeah i haven't listened to it yet but i was just like oh that would be because you know you almost never hear him do the covers 
Like he did that one cover of Nothing Compares to You with Rosie Gaines. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've really heard a lot of places where he's done covers with other people. You mean like of songs that he had already recorded by himself? Recorded by himself or that he wrote. Like, even mm-hmm. the songs he gave to people, you don't hear him on the song. Unless it's maybe no. the time. Like, there's a couple of songs he's done with the time where you might hear him talking in the background or something. But Yeah, know. I mean, A Love Bazaar is probably the best example of one where he... You can definitely hear his voice on a song that he gave to Sheila E, but that's few and far between. I mean, we've cited like two examples. And it's like in the background. He's not. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, right. His vocals are not up front. Like it's not, you, you know, it's Prince in the background, but it's it's not like they're trading verses or anything or trading lines. You're right. But yeah, I'll check that out and uh, maybe I'll link if there's a version of that on YouTube or something, I can link that to. The show notes for this episode so people if you haven't checked it out maybe it might give you a, a a new perspective on this song because there's really just this one version there's no remixes there's no 12 inch extended version it's this version and that's it until you listen to the live one with andy allo and prince so that might that might breathe a new life into the song and it might be worth checking out for people if you haven't already so i'll put that in the show notes mm. So do you have any final thoughts on the song, Tara? You know, I don't know if I have final thoughts on this song, but I do wonder how many people are really familiar with the B-sides and the hit CD collection. Because some people like it and some people hate it. I think it's a really good sampling of his work. Like if I was going to tell somebody who's never heard Prince, I might say, go look for that. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, I know there's one song a friend of mine was like, I don't like how they cut one of the songs and I cannot remember which one it is, but I think that's really interesting because you have songs like I love you and me on there, but you don't, you also get this survey of everything else that was around it. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. That, that collection was super important for me in the early 90s early to mid 90s because uh i had not been buying singles so a lot of these b-sides are brand new to me right Uh, i i had heard maybe a couple i'd heard erotic city because i had a friend that had the seven inch to let's go crazy i heard 17 days Mm -hmm. but after a certain point i was just recording songs off the radio right so i wasn't buying singles for that much in the 80s so I hadn't heard many of these. And also, I hadn't really gone backwards into Prince's first, like, two, three albums. So anything prior to 1999, so I guess that's four albums, everything prior to 1999, I had not checked checked for oh, wow. by 93, 94. I was, like, per, or 1999 forward, not looking back. Yeah. And then I listened to these songs, and I was hearing songs like Dirty Mind and uh, When You Were Mine and controversy songs that i was peripherally aware of but never really deep dive or listened to closely yeah. i realized oh, okay this is a mistake i need to go back <laughs> I, need to, I need to listen to these albums i need to have them in some some way because these songs i really enjoy so yeah i mean it's it's a great collection 
yeah, of course, these are going to be radio edits for the most part. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not going to be the best version of some of the longer singles in Prince's catalog because they do cut them out. They do fade them out or close them too quickly. But take a, take it for what it is, a, a nice sampling. And then those B-sides and plus the bonus stuff like Pink yeah. Cashmere, Power Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Got to have it for that. Great for that. And it makes me think, too, like you're mentioning all these, like, Dirty Mind. Um, and I think about Erotic City in 17 Days in particular, because my grandparents had a tavern. And so they had Erotic City on the jukebox. So it was mm-hmm. a black tavern, mostly black folks coming in. And I always wonder, too, you know, some people talk about that idea of people being black famous and then Oprah famous, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think there was an era of Prince where it was like, as black people, we had him to ourselves. He was like our little secret almost. And then when he blew up, (laughs) you know, then he was famous Mm -hmm. to everybody. And I think some of those earlier songs, like you think about Dirty Mind when he had like the Farrah Fawcett blowout. (laughs) And that controversy era where then he started rocking the curl and stuff. Like, that was the stuff that it was like still like you heard him more in in black communities than you did on MTV. Definitely. It wasn't until yeah. Purple Rain. Purple Rain was the thing that changed it. You know? So it's interesting to see how much can change between making a movie and after the movie. Because you think about it, it's like 1984, and then all this prolific activity, including the stuff with the Batman soundtrack and I Love You and Me. It's like, dang. So he mm-hmm. probably was just making an album a day. You know? <laughs> felt like it. <laughs> it felt like it at the time. You couldn't, it was hard to keep up, um, especially in the 90s. It got even worse in the 90s. Because yeah. he was releasing triple albums. Sometimes he'd release a triple album and a single album in the same year. It yeah. was just, it was really hard to keep up just yeah. from, from my perspective in the 90s. In the 80s, it was still difficult, but doable because MTV, I was watching MTV and they would still play his videos on MTV. So I knew he had a new project because there's a video for Raspberry Beret. Oh, he's got a new one because there's the video for Kiss. Oh, he's got a new one because there's the video for You Got the Look. Uh, okay. That's how I new i wasn't i wasn't reading magazines music magazines and i wasn't really um clued in so i i really relied on the radio pop radio mind you and mtv to tell me when a new prince project was out because i just i was pretty young and i just didn't have any other avenues for that uh, so yeah that's i love you and me in a nutshell we've i think we've kind of covered it i don't think there's much more to talk about with the song yeah, you know, there's always an, a new adventure. <laughs> yep, there's more to cover, more songs, so there's really no point in, in dissecting this one any longer than we have to. So, Tara, um, do you have anything you want to promote or anything you want to point the, the listeners to? Um, right now, I'm just doing readings and virtually and in person. For my new book, Refuse to Disappear. And um, 
that's the main thing I'm doing right now. It's from WordWorks Books. So if you go there, you can get it there, wordworksbooks.com or SPD Books on their website. Okay. I'll make sure to be uh, people aware of that in the show notes as well, where to, where to check you out on your, your writing. Right. So thank you for being on the show. Much appreciated as always. Thank you, Jason. It's great time and there's more to come. More to come indeed. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show anywhere on social media, uh, Discord, YouTube, PressRewind.net is the uh, website I use to kind of host the show and do some writings of myself. So please check it out. And until next time, bye. Yeah. Yeah.